0: Amen. That is a wonderful blessing to see all of these parents dedicating themselves. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. To the work of raising their children and putting their children in God's hands, I want to ask you to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 23, and I'd like to add my welcome to Pastor Warners and those of you that are joining us online or here. We're very grateful for all of you. And we have just a couple minutes of in God's word this morning that we want to Spend before we go, I always like to take the opportunity of a child slash parent dedication service to teach if I can or preach and minister on the subject of parenting, which goes both ways. It, it ministers to the child or to uh, to a child, and all of us are children of some someone. Uh, and it also speaks to parents who are actively uh, parenting their kids at whatever age. I have been, uh, as many of you know, I've talked about it a number of times over the last year uh, studying the book of Proverbs a lot as I minister on the college campus, uh, and our campus ministry has grown uh, very well. Uh, Brother Eddie, Brother Brian, uh, Suzanne, and Rebecca, they're all doing a f- fantastic job, JR and Kenzie, of uh, leading that ministry on the campus. We're usually somewhere between 30 and 50 students uh, every Friday when we meet there. And we've been doing a series uh, called Pieces of Proverbs where uh, the the basic idea of the book of Proverbs, which is this book of wisdom, is that... Um, the wisdom on any particular subject can be splattered throughout the book of Proverbs, right? So you might have in chapter 1 a proverb on marriage, and then the next one might be on chapter 3, and then the next one might be in chapter 5, and there might be 10 of them in chapter 7. So they're kind of divided and splattered throughout the book of Proverbs, and the idea of the series is to gain full wisdom on any particular subject Let's get all of the Proverbs on that subject and bring them together into one place and look at the wisdom of God towards that one subject. And so we've been doing that, and we've been uh, talking about uh, a number of issues uh, on the campus. We just finished up one on understanding emotions, a three-week series on understanding emotions, and uh, it's been very fruitful, uh, a fruitful time. But as I'm studying the book of Proverbs, of course... I'm seeing a lot of subjects and a lot of proverbs that have nothing to do right now with the place where college students are, and so I've been setting them aside, and a number of them have been on the subject of parenting, and so what I want to do this morning is I want to look with you at parenting on, uh, 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 proverbs on parenting, or what the proverbs on parenting are, and, and we can't do an exhaustive look this morning, but I want to pull a couple of them out so it won't be a typical morning where you have one particular text and then, uh, you know, you you, uh, exposit that text, if you will. It'll be a number of different Proverbs that we're looking at to gain different aspects of wisdom on the subject of parenting. But when it comes to parenting, Proverbs has a lot to say, but I think it goes deeper than just what it says because the whole book is essentially parenting. Parenting. It is a father and a mother who are giving their wisdom to their child. They're passing on the wisdom to the child. So the entire book, no matter what subject you're looking at, is essentially like a parenting manual, if you will, or parenting in action as they're teaching. And they later came to write these things down, and they would teach them in uh, group settings. But Proverbs chapter 4, to give you one example of this, Uh, He says, when I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and live. So here's, get the picture here. Here's a father speaking to his son about when his father spoke to him, right? He's remembering when my father taught me this, now I'm teaching you this, so you're seeing wisdom being passed down to generations, and he said, let your heart retain my words, Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she'll preserve you. Love her, and she'll keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding, exalt her, and she'll promote you. She'll bring you honor when you embrace her. She'll place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she'll deliver to you. What they're pleading with their son is they're pleading with him to get wisdom, to find wisdom, to choose wisdom, to base their life on wisdom. And I think that the bigger message of the book of Proverbs to parents is, Give your children wisdom. If you're going to give your children anything, give them wisdom. And then the message to the children is, if you're looking for anything, look for wisdom. So it's give wisdom and get wisdom. And then that cycle, that process continues with the next generation. The main word for wisdom in Proverbs is the Hebrew word hakmah. And I like what one commentator said about this word. He said, it includes being moral. But it goes beyond that. It is making the right choice, even when there are no clear moral laws telling you explicitly what to do. It's easier to follow an instruction that's given to you. uh, But wisdom goes beyond that. Wisdom is, there's been no instruction given to me. Now how do I conduct myself? What decision do I make moving forward? So what you realize is that parenting is not just about teaching your kids right and wrong. That may be an aspect of it, but it's not just about giving your children the do's and don'ts of this world. It's about teaching them and equipping them how to navigate life. How to make decisions when the decisions aren't so clear. When there's no necessarily right or wrong. This is not a gray area in my life, but how do I make the right decision? Wisdom is what helps me navigate and come to the right conclusion in those times. See, we're not just trying to raise good children. We're trying to raise God-fearing adults. That's what we're trying to do. If you're just trying to raise good children, you might be able to be successful at that for a period of time, but eventually they turn into adults. And I've seen great children turn into horrible adults. If that's going to happen, we have to impart wisdom into our children. And so Proverbs 23 is where I want to start. Verse 22 through 25. Listen to your father... Who gave you life? And do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. I want to look at, first of all, the sober reality of parenting. When we are entrusted with children, it is something very sacred. And unfortunately, they don't come with individual manuals. (laughs) Uh, It's not just sacred, but it's sobering. Uh, I think the first time uh, they're placed in your arms as a parent... You feel this weight of the world on you. You know, it's not this little seven ounce baby that you feel. You feel a much heavier weight on your mind and on your heart. And while the baby may be light, the baby's not that light. (laughs) You feel the weight of that child in your hands. You realize to a certain degree that their life is now in your hands. That if, if I don't feed him and clean them, Uh, then they're going to die dirty. (laughs) Like that's, that's, that's the way, that's the facts. Like it depends on me to keep this child alive. And there's this burden of responsibility that any sober parent feels. And the natural response is to go into protection mode. I remember thinking to myself and wondering, does this baby come with bubble wrap? You know, can you just put it in some sort of bubble where uh, I I don't, you know, accidentally drop it or something and and mess this thing up? It's so tiny and so precious. And and so we want to kind of protect them and we want to do whatever we can to protect them. And, uh, you know, whether it's locking them in a room until they're 85 or, you know, whatever whatever comes to our imagination. And then to an extent, our ego gets involved, if we're honest, right? Like, we're looking down at this kid, and we're saying, this kid is a reflection of me. You better do good, son. (laughs) Don't make me look bad, you know? So there's all this weight that you feel and all these different things that go through your mind. And so what this produces is it produces two different extremes of parenting, You have some parenting uh, ideas that we just need to let them go and let them find their own way. That a lot of modern parents think that they should just mainly be supportive of their child. uh, But ultimately, I'm just here to help them find their own way. They're on a journey of self-discovery, and I'm just here to support them as they discover themselves. I'm just going to let go and let them kind of find their path. But it is foolish to think that a child can work out the moral wisdom of the ages all by themselves. What makes a person capable of coming to up with a standard of right and wrong is not that their parents taught them exactly right, but that their parents taught them. That's what helps you when you get older is not that everything your parents taught you was right, but that your parents did teach you. That they gave you some guidelines, they gave you some sort of direction. So you've got the parent that just says, uh, let's, let's just let the child go uh, and let them find their own way on self-discovery because that's the latest parental theory, uh, and then you have the parent who is just completely detached and doesn't care about their child at all. And they let them go, but in a different way. Maybe they have decided that they have their own life to live and that this child is in inconvenience or they're struggling with addictions or various things. And so they end up letting the child go completely, not because of a parental theory, but because of parental neglect. The other extreme is the overly cautious parent. Parent. And I think as believers, we can fall more easily into this trap because we take their spiritual nurturing very seriously. And we become anxious about our children becoming infected with the worldly philosophy. We try to keep them in the most sterile environment as possible. And while this is very important, uh, in the early years, uh, our obli- uh, we have an obligation to protect them uh, and to uh, um, uh, uh, a duty to protect them. But wisdom says that you can't keep them in bubble wrap forever. Wisdom says uh, that at some point, they will need to go out into the world as full-grown adults we only get a couple of decades to shape them into fully functional adults. See, at some point, if the child has any hope of surviving independently outside the home, they're gonna to need to be educated and instructed as to what is out there. In other words, temptation is not only conquered through avoidance, but it's also conquered by preemptive education of how to identify the lure and the consequences of temptation. When you read Proverbs 7, and every father should read Proverbs 7, and when your son is at the right age, you should sit down with your son and read Proverbs 7. It is wisdom on how to avoid temptation. The father is telling his son, there are some real traps set out there for you. And he starts talking about the adulterous woman. Uh, Son, you're going to have to deal with lust. Uh, You're going to have to deal with uh, 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 seduction. You're going to have to deal with... And he starts uh, to talk about them. He's talking about how men uh, get lured into temptation. Uh, He's teaching his son about traps that are deliberately set for his future. Uh, He's teaching his son that the cost of things uh, is way too high to pay. He says it will cost you your life, son, if you go in in this direction and he is teaching his son, son it all begins in the heart so don't even let your heart turn towards her. Proverbs 7 is brilliant, it's masterful and what it is is it's a father who has gone through this who knows a little something, who has struggled with temptation and says son I'm not going to make you learn the hard way I'm going to show you what's out there, I'm going to tell you what's out there and I'm going to help you to avoid the traps that are laying out there for you. The two battlefields that every Christian parent faces, which are, I think, both equally important, the first one is the one we're talking about, which is the encroaching world, the one we just mentioned, that there is a devil and there is evil that we must fight to keep away. But that devil and, and evil will do everything it can to enter into your home as, and uh, the life of your young children. And you have to be uh, dedicated to resisting that when the kids don't know how to. When the kids don't even know that it's evil or what that evil really is. Uh, a parent's job is to protect the children uh, from the enemies that they don't even know exist. Right, That's part of our job is that there are encroaching evils uh, trying to come into the home, trying to come into our lives, and what we're doing is we're standing in resistance to those. We're not just letting anything come into our house. We're not just letting our sins Kids uh, sit there uh, just watching whatever they want to watch and doing whatever they want to do. Those things are trying to enter into their child's mind uh, and hearts, and we're saying, no, 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 no. Our job is to protect you from such things. Uh, there's an encroaching world, and I've got to stand in resistance because you don't even know you're supposed to resist it yet. You don't even understand the consequences of this. To you, it's curiosity. But to me, I understand the consequences of that curiosity. But there's another, another battlefront that every parent must fight on. And it's not a threat from the outside, but rather a threat from the inside. And that is the child's heart. Proverbs 22, verse 15, gives us some incredible, incredibly important insight. It says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child, and the, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. See, if you're not careful... You'll have the misconception that the only problem with my child or threat to my child lies out there somewhere and is trying to get in my home. Every child, though, is born with a sinful nature. They have an enemy within their heart, too. And you got to deal with that one as well. So it's not just protecting them from the outside world. The Bible says all have sinned. Have you ever just watched your child do something and thought to yourself, I swear I didn't teach them that. (laughs) I did not teach you how to lie. Like, we did not sit down, and I'm going to tell you, okay, here's how you lie. I didn't, you didn't watch me lie. I didn't teach you how to lie. Your mama's not a liar either, so I don't know where you got that from. You don't have to teach it. It's already in the heart, right? They're, they are born with a sinful nature, and they just come, it comes out every once in a while. You're like, what's, what happened to my little mijo? Who corrupted my little mijo? No, no, no. They were corrupted when they were first laid into your arms. They came to you broken and corrupted by sin. See, children are not innocent until the world corrupts them. They are born sinful, and the devil and the world seek to exploit that sinful nature that they already have. Think about these scriptures, Psalms 51.5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalms 58.3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. From the womb, they are estranged. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. See these truths warn us that at the time of our birth we already have a sin nature. It's in our DNA, it is inherited from Adam, the father of all mankind. You see, many assume that children are naturally innocent but that society teaches us to hate. That's the modern theory, if you will. But this verse says that folly is natural to all of us. It is bound up in the heart of every child. That children are naturally self-centered. They don't understand how people feel. They don't understand how their behavior will affect others. They have to be taught. Have you ever watched your child? Okay, full disclosure, this is probably one of my children, but maybe not. Have you ever watched your child bite another child's arm And then the other child is screaming and crying. And your child is looking at the child trying to figure out why they're screaming and crying. Like they're just there's just this blank stare. They have no concept of what just happened. They're like, wait a minute. Your arm looked as tasty as that toy I always chew on. So I decided to chew on it. Why are you crying? Like it doesn't even make sense to them. They don't know how their behavior affects somebody else. Right? They learn that. Right? They bite the arm. The kid's crying and they're looking at him like. And then you get mad. And so then they get mad because you get mad. They're like, oh, I'm supposed to be upset about this. Okay. You're like, why are you doing that? (laughs) It looked good. (laughs) What do you mean, why am I doing that? It looked tasty. (laughs) Right? They, They don't know how their behavior affects other people until they're taught how their behavior affects. You have to sit there and go, you can't bite people. You just can't do it, and then they go and do it again in a week from now, because they forgot you got to teach them again, and then they get kicked out of nursery, and it's just, it's a whole thing. I, I do have the distinct honor of being the only child in this church kicked out of nursery without having to bite somebody to do it. Miss Mona was so tired of me, she just said, no, 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 you're out. (laughs) My mom's like, did he bite somebody? She's like, no, 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 he just is a bite. (laughs) Like His whole life is a bite. (laughs) Can you go bite him? Do something with him. (laughs) It's very dangerous if parents don't know the potential for folly and evil that every child's heart contains. And that's the paradox, right? It's our children are made in the image of God, but born with the sinful nature of Adam. It's such a paradox. It's, they're so precious and beautiful and evil at the same time. It's like, it's like. One author said our children are infinitely precious image bearers and also hereditary sinners. Wisdom says we have to raise our children with both truths in view. That I understand that this child is made in the image of God, but I also understand that they've inherited some sin, a sinful nature that I have to deal with both of them. I have to protect them from that which is out and that which is inside their own heart. Let's talk about the passing of wisdom. How do we most effectively pass wisdom to our kids so that they embrace it as their own? I believe there's three keys factors that Proverbs gives us from two separate verses. The first one is going to be Proverbs 4, and the second one is going to be from Proverbs 20. I've asked them to put them all up on the screen because I know we're going to be jumping through them. But the first one, Proverbs 4, 3 through 4, for I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart Keep my commands, and you will live. So, how do we most effectively pass our wisdom to our kids? The most obvious one here in our text is we pass our wisdom through our words. We have to open our mouth and instruct. He says, he taught me and said, wisdom that can be passed is constructed of words that must be spoken. And I will tell you, when you are speaking words of wisdom, tone matters. Tone matters. You, you just can't be yelling your wisdom all the time with a cantankerous tone. <laughs> you, it might be wisdom, but it's also going right over their heads. <laughs> if they are going to be taught that wisdom, your tone when you're expressing the wisdom really does matter. And I also think it matters that you're teaching wisdom and not just saying it all the time. Sharing wisdom in a way they can understand. You can't give them a mean old proverb when they're two years old and expect them to grasp it, you know. You have to break that proverb down into a chunk that they can grasp and understand. And then I also think that transitions matter. You know, when kids are younger um, and they ask why, uh, you can say, because I told you so. Right, when they're, you know. That, that flies for a while, you know? Like, listen, you don't need to understand anything about this. <laughs> All you need to understand is I said no, which means no. So, because I said so is very acceptable when they're younger, but as they get older, it becomes an unacceptable, lazy response. Because there's a big difference between why from a rebellious heart and why from an inquisitive heart. Right? Some kids, you could tell they're asking why," and they do it., you know, and they don't care about the answer. Uh, then you have kids that ask why, and there's an inquisitive heart behind it. In other words, I need to know why this is the case. And as kids get older, the "why" becomes more and more important, because what they're trying to work out is, "I know what you believe, but I'm trying to figure out what I believe. I know your convictions, but I need to know how they became your convictions so that I can make them my convictions if I so choose. So the why matters in the transitions of life. So how do we affect, most effectively pass our wisdom to our kids? First is our words, and second is a parent's blameless life. Now I'm going to come back to Proverbs 4, but I want to touch on this one first. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says... The righteous lead blameless lives, blessed are the children after them. Now, I just lost every parent in here. <laughs> You're like, blameless life? Well, my kid ain't getting no wisdom. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's over for me. No, it doesn't mean like perfect, right? The actual word blameless means consistent. It's the word for integrity or the word for wholeness or completeness. So, as opposed to split, The righteous lead complete whole lives of integrity. Blessed are their children after them. In other words, the righteous leading a blameless life brings blessing to their children. Children are very sensitive to perceived hypocrisy. Have you ever noticed that? (laughs) Like if you say something and then do something else, how quickly they call you out on it. They are very sensitive to perceived hypocrisy. If you're saying something and doing something else, they pick up on it real quick. And when hypocrisy is involved, it will undermine all efforts to pass on your wisdom. So he says, we're talking about the complete or the blameless life, which means that I am not two different people. I don't have a church face and then a home face and then a work phase. I am who I am. I'm the same at home. I'm the same at church. I'm the same at school. That's what it means. That's what leading a blameless life is. That means that there's consistency to your character, consistency to who you are. You, you cannot be a hypocrite and expect your children to receive the wisdom that you're trying to give them. Right, you can't tell him to stop cussing while using a cuss word to tell him so. Right, like you, you can't, you can't, you just can't do that. Right, like you, you can't just, you can't speak out of split personalities and two different sides of your mouth at the same time. I grew up with uh, very imperfect parents, like the rest of you. But the truth is that my parents were very consistent. The thing I can testify about my parents is not exquisite, you know, this or that, you know, everything was absolutely, no, no. What I can testify about my parents and honor my parents for is they were the same person everywhere we went. I didn't come home and get something different, go to church and see something different. They were the same. What they said, they did. What they did, they said. It was just, there was consistency. And so the Bible says that your children, when there's a consistency in your life, in your character, when there's integrity in you, then your children become blessed. In other words, they don't have to figure out this dual personality thing you have going on. Right? They don't have an excuse to ignore what you're saying because of the life that you're living. Right? Like you take that bullet out of the chamber. Like you don't, you don't allow them to have that piece of ammunition. Are your actions consistent with your professed beliefs? When you're wrong, do you repent and apologize, including to your children? So I don't know how many times you've been wrong with your children. I've been wrong a lot with my children. Man, it is hard to apologize to your kids. But when you're wrong, you're wrong. And when you're wrong, the people you've wronged deserve an apology when you're aware of it, right? And so do your children. What they need to see is that humanity in you. They need to see that, you know what, uh, son, I'm sorry, I blew up. I, I, I spoke to you in anger and that was wrong. I, I shouldn't be yelling at you like that. <laughs> I, I should have better control over myself, son, <laughs> That's what I'm working on, by the way, you know? And so that really gives them insight to say, oh, okay, so the, the dad that I thought was perfect is not perfect. The mom that I thought was, she's not perfect, but she's consistent or they're consistent. There's a blameless life. And now my receptivity to what you're imparting in me is gonna be more open, right? I'm gonna be more willing to receive the wisdom that you're bringing forth. The, the third element of how to make your wisdom be most effectively received, is that you need to cherish your children. And this goes back to Proverbs 4, verse 3. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. The Hebrew word for cherished is, is actually very powerful. I, I looked it up because you have an idea of the word, but Did they get it right when they nailed it from Hebrew to English? Is that the full description? And sometimes it's good to have many words that kind of help you define what that Hebrew word meant. And this word uh, is very powerful because it means the only one. So it literally says, I was the only one in the sight of my mother. It doesn't say he's the only child. He's the only one in the sight of his mother. It's also translated as unique or solitary or one way it's translated to his only begotten son. You know, his mom could have had 10 children, but this one felt like all of her attention was on him. Like I was the only one in her sight. She saw me. She loved me. She valued me. Right? She looked at me and recognized something in me. And she wasn't just looking through me. She was looking at me. I was cherished by my mother. What does this look like? It looks like unconditional love. (laughs) Is essentially it that 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 you will love me no matter what? That that you're going to love me still, in spite. You know, there's a a researcher who interviewed uh, people who had continued in their parents' Christian faith as adults, and the key factor was very interesting. It wasn't church attendance. It wasn't uh, that they did family devotions at nighttime together. And it it wasn't that they had strict discipline in their home. Uh, The the key ingredient that they found across the board is that they said that if they felt that they could talk to their parents about anything and that their parents would still love them, that they would come to their parents with anything and that no matter what it was, their parents would still love them. Your child should feel that they are the object of unconditional love, that you don't just love them when they do good, but you love them no matter what. You may not agree with them when they do wrong, but it doesn't stop your love for them. You don't withhold love from them because they do wrong. In fact, when they do wrong, that's when they need more love, not less love. You'll never be able to impart your wisdom if they don't come to you for it. If they don't feel like there's an atmosphere in your relationship where they can come and be open about something, and and you're still going to love them. It doesn't mean you're going to agree with them. That's another extreme fault. But it means that you're going to love them, and you're going to help them and work them through that. Let's talk about, as I close, the reality of varied outcomes One of life's great mysteries of parenting is why some children, when they're old, embrace their parents' training and others don't. Whose fault is it if the child's life goes off the rails? Isn't it a great mystery? Same parents, two different kids. One turns out good, the other one turns out bad. You sit there and you just... You just sit there and you're looking at it and you're going, what in the world is going on? Well, what I love about Proverbs is this is a great illustration of the pieces of Proverbs because wisdom uses three different Proverbs to explain why that's the case and what is going on behind the scenes, if you will, that, that might cause that. What are the causes of that? Wisdom uses these Proverbs to explain. So 29, 15, Proverbs twenty nine, fifteen. a rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. So one reason, remember with wisdom, things aren't as black and white. You could say yes and yes and yes. <laughs> it's very depending on the circumstances. And he says, The child left undisciplined disgraces his mother. That sometimes a foolish adult is the result of parental failure. Sometimes that's the case. That there was no discipline, that there was uh, uh, something missing in that child's life. Uh, In other words, sometimes a foolish adult is a result of foolish parents. That did not do what they were supposed to do. They did not impart what they were supposed to impart. But then another proverb goes to the other side of the spectrum and says from ch- uh, chapter 13, verse 1 a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebukes. So now this shows us that sometimes some children simply don't respond to the instructions of their parents. The parents brought the instruction. The parents taught the instruction, the parents were consistent, but the child has his own mind and his own will, and is going to determine his own way, and has decided not to embrace that or accept that, and they don't respond to the rebukes, they don't respond to the correction. Ultimately, we have to factor in the reality of the child's choice. The child's choice to listen or not determines the course of their lives. Proverbs chapter 1, Solomon is pleading with his son and he's instructing him on future choices that his son is going to have to make. And listen to, listen to him. He's pleading with his son. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If They say, come along with us. Let's lie in wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder, cast lots with us. We'll all share the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths for their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. Why is Solomon pleading with his son about something that isn't even an option right in front of him? He's saying someday you might be faced with a fork in the road. And these kids are going to be telling you do this, uh, come and do that. We're going to get away with it. It's not a problem. Please, son, when you have that choice to make, make the right choice. He's pleading with him because he understands uh, that that child is going to grow up and make their own choices. I'm going to try to tell you how to make the right choices, but ultimately, you have to make the choice. I can protect my child for a time, but when they have to learn, but then they have to learn how to protect themselves. And it's the wisdom we've imparted, it's the consistency we've imparted that is at least going to give them a chance to protect themselves. It's going to give them a a sword to fight with. It's going to give them armor to protect them at some point. They have to choose to bring their sinful heart to the Lord for salvation. You can't make them do that. See, when parents come to grips with the fact that their children are sinners from the womb, it brings a perspective of dependence on God for the salvation and protection of their children. See, I can teach my child self-control. I can teach them how their actions affect others. I can bring wisdom to their life. I can help them with the things that I can help them with. But God has to intervene. And it brings the important revelation that the greatest problem in my child is not something I can fix. The greatest problem is not something that I can fix. I cannot remedy their sinful heart. The problem of your child's systematic sinfulness can only be removed by Jesus. Pastor Smith has been preaching a masterful series on conversion and I will echo along with him is our children need their sinful hearts to experience divine conversion. Period. I can do what I can do to shape them and to mold them. I can do my part on how to behave and I can teach them self-control and I can all those behavioral things but at the end of the day if their heart is not converted then it's (laughs) all they are is good moral people. They're on their way to hell. I can't make them choose Christ. Our children come to us broken. You can't repair your child by yourself, but you can take them to a Savior who can rescue them. We have to teach them how to bring their sin to the Savior. We have to teach them at times, that you know what, I can't help you right now, son. I can't help you there's only one person who can help you right now. His name is Jesus. (laughs) The same Jesus that I needed to save me is the same Jesus you need to save you. We have to start transitioning them to a life led by God. We have to start asking what I think is the master question in transitioning children into adulthood, which is, what is Jesus asking you to do? Have you ever thought about that? (laughs) You know, they come to you for advice. There comes a point when you got to cut that off and say, you know what, I can give you some wisdom in this area, but the ultimate question is not what do I think. The question is what does Jesus think? What does he think about this whole thing? What does he think about these choices that you're making? What does he think about the direction that you're going? See, as parents, we can either feel too responsible for our children's choices or too little responsibility for their choices. But ultimately, God has put us as parents and adults in their lives To point them and lead them to him. Your job is to constantly bring your child to Jesus in prayer, through teaching, and by your example. And pointing them and bringing them, taking them by the hand. I'm not your savior, son, but he is. I can't do this part. You have to make this choice. I've equipped you. I've done what I can do. I've been consistent in my life. But ultimately, you have to make the choice. You have to surrender to Christ. I wanted to ask you to bow your heads